Good morning, everyone. Guys, if you could reset that preaching clock for me, that would help. It shows that I'm already over 24 minutes and I haven't even started. <laughs> uh, just a couple of reminders um, before we kick off our last message uh, in this series, The Way of Love Easter is three weeks away. And so we've been preparing for Easter and looking at our crowds and all of that. And we decided that it's going to be important for us to have three services on Easter to prepare for the crowds that are coming. So we have three service times and there's going to be, these three service times are different than our normal service times. So if you feel like you're not going to remember, it'd be a good time to take down some notes. We're going to be reminding you for the next few weeks. But on Easter, we're going to have three services and they are going to be 8.30 a.m. So that's for you all. You're just going to come a half hour earlier, 8.30 a.m., 10.15, and 12 noon. Um, So those services are just going to be full of people hearing about the gospel, and so that's exciting for us. You can invite your friends to that. We just wanted to make as many extra seats available um, for you to invite your friends and family. So again, let's do that again, 8.30, 10.15, 12 noon. All right. And also, I just want to follow up about City School. Um, City School is... What we're doing with City School is we want to make it different than Sunday morning. We actually want to go deep into some theological ideas, and we want to make it like a Bible school. So if you've ever desired um, to take a Bible school course, this is the one for you, Theology 101. It's just a, a little bit, a little taste of what you'd get in a Bible school course. And so again, for $30 for five weeks, it's going to be, uh, it's, it's going to be great. So you can sign up for that after service. And then our women's event, um, all of the dads in the house, you're not going to be baby babysitting that night because those are your children. You don't babysit your own children. It's called parenting. So dads, make sure uh, that your wives are coming out to that on the 31st. All right. As we finish up this series about love, um, as we've discussed a lot through the theming of this, we want to know about the love of God. We want to be aware of the love of God, experience it and understand the fullness of the love of God. And just way back to week one, when we were talking about the love of God, sometimes we think of the love of God as just sort of a sweet emotion, um, but it is really the strength of God. And when we think about how God loves us, God loves us, he does care about us. He's interested in all the small details of our lives, but he also wants to correct us that God wants to love us like a father, not a grandfather. So your grandfather would just let you away with everything, right? You know, grandparents, hey, just come on over. I'll take you for a little while and I'm gonna send you home. Whereas your parents will love you and correct you and, and disciple you and all of these different things. So God is loving us like a father, cares about us like nobody else, but then is also interested in the decisions that we're making and he's wanting us to uh, not fall into sin. So he will correct us and change us. And then we want to live from that place. In every area of life, we want to live loved, to know that God loves us and cares about us and is interested in us and and to live from that place, not to live just from our past brokenness, our past struggles, but to live from this place of God uh, that he loves us and cares about us. So in this series, we define love the first week, just mentioned that a little bit. And then Michael talked to us about uncommon love. And then in week three, Pastor Brad Larson was here. He talked to us about four secrets in marriage. And then we had baptism week when we were celebrating all that we have in Christ from the love of God. Last week, we talked about parenting. So if you weren't here last week, or maybe away uh, for March break and you are a parent, that, that um, message will be be a blessing to you. And then finally today in uh, this series, we're going to talk about singleness today. 
Now, what's, what's great about the City Church is that we are a family, right? We're a family, right? The family of God, the body of Christ. And when we come to church, we know that the message that I will be speaking or whoever is speaking will not necessarily apply to me, but I am here for it because it'll be great for some of my other family members here in the church. Amen. All right? And so I've actually never preached on singleness before. And so we're going to just be talking about this. And, you know, and I know a lot of the illustrations that I give are from a married experience because I am married. And I haven't been single for 29 years. And see, my experience for singleness, like there was no phones. The internet was just getting started. I mean, it was a whole other world. Um, when I, and so my, my singleness stories are probably not that helpful to you. So I'm just always talking about marriage and I'm always um, talking about parenting because again, this is the life that I'm living and I'm applying the word of God to those situations. But I don't want you to feel like if you are single and you're here at the city church, you are not a second class citizen. Can I get an Amen. You are important here at the City Church. Again, uh, my, I don't have a lot of single illustrations for you, but you're really important and we need you. And again, you're not second class because you're not married. You're not second class because you don't have children. Um, those, none of those things are true. And so we want to see from the scripture, um, what, what does the scripture talk to us about as it relates to singleness? So if I am married, we could know um, what the word of God says to people, my single friends here at the church and, and what all of this might mean. Now, when we think about singleness, sometimes we just think about young people. Um, and, but we have uh, single people here at the church in every decade, in their 20s and their 30s and their 40s and their 50s and their 60s and their 70s and beyond. And so we have every decade represented here at the church. And what it means to be single in those different decades is really different. And, and our experience can be uh, different because we would say that being single in our 20s and wanting to be married, uh, not being married yet, and then being single in your 60s would be a different experience. I know um, my grandmother, my grandfather died uh, when I was seven years old on my dad's side and my, my grandmother, she was in her early 60s. And, you know, I was always trying to get her to get married again after, after my grandfather passed away. And every time I would say, oh, you know, grandma, I found, I found a guy for you. She would groan. She would literally groan. She's like, oh, yeah, no more men for me, she would say. Like, that was it. That was my husband. I'm not interested in getting married again. And, and that can be the case for you. And, and again, these are very different decades, very different experiences. And there's people um, here in the church that have never been married. There's other people that have been divorced. There's other people that are widowed and widowers. Um, they're, and they're all experiencing life in a different way through being single. Some have chosen to be single and are basically content to be single like my grandmother and also young people can do the, the same thing and make the same choice. And then others are longing to be married and, and perhaps feeling frustrated or, or, or feeling like, oh, it's been so long. Now I can remember when I was in my early teens, I had this vision to be married uh, by 22 years old because when you're 13, 22 is like ancient. So like, for sure, I'm gonna be married. 
when I'm 22 years old and then I was 22 and I wasn't married and I kind of thought, oh my gosh, what's the problem? What's wrong with me? What's, I've met the right person, all these different things. And, and all of these uh, thoughts can start to creep in and maybe you're failing and maybe you're not gonna meet the right one and all these different things. And, and those uh, experiences uh, can be very different for different people. But what we want to do, regardless of your age, regardless of your desire um, as a single, our, our vision for singleness should come from the scripture. What is God telling me as it relates to being single, not somebody who's not married? And what does this mean to me? And is this important to God? Is it not important to God? Because the world also has a vision for you, will offer you a vision with very specific, specific sexual, sexual ethics. And then the word of God has something to offer you, to tell you a vision, thoughts for you and your life and, and what you should be doing with your time and what you should be doing with your thoughts. And so we want to get those things. But firstly, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 says this, for just as the body is one, as many members, all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. So we, whether married or unmarried, we are the family of God. We're all the family of God. We're all important, whether we're single or we are married. And this is how we want to operate. And then we see um, in the letters to the church over and over again, you will see the apostle Paul and Peter and John as they're writing to the church, a lot of times they will, be, they will be working through the love ethic with one another in these different relationships and what it means to be married and what it means to be single and, and then how to operate in those relationships and specifically within the context of the church. Because there would be different times where, where the writers would write and say, I don't, I don't want to even have a hint of sexual immorality in the church. And if you have been in the church for any length of time, that you will know that this isn't always the case. That people can get at odds with relationships and get in improper relationships, even in the context of the local church. And we don't want to fall into those issues. We don't want to fall into those sins. And so the scripture tells us and gives us a way to lovingly operate with one another. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1. And these two verses here will, will give us an ethic how to live with each other in the context of the family of God. Verse 1, it says, do not rebuke an older man harshly. So here, just by way of respect, that, that people that are older than you in the church, we're not going to rebuke them harshly. We're not going to be angry. We're going to be respectful. But exhort him as if he was your father. So the older men in the church were acting like them as they were, they would be our father, that we would or should respect our father. We're not calling somebody out and being angry with them when they're older with us. And then it says, treat younger men as brothers. So we're treating them like we would in our family, that I'm treating people that are younger than me. I'm not treating them disrespectfully. I'm not treating them angrily. I'm treating them like I would my own family. Verse two, older women as mothers. So how do we treat the older women in the church? We treat them as mothers, and I always uh, come up to a bunch of ladies in the church, I'm all like the mothers of the church. And I love it, and it's so beautiful that we need uh, mothers in the church. And how do we look at older women in the church? We look at them like mothers, younger women, as sisters, now here written to the men, with absolute purity. So we don't look at the all of the younger women in the church as positive, especially if you're single as, you know, possible somebody to date or to be with. No, I'm looking at them like a sister. And if we would operate this way in the context of the church, in the context of the body of Christ, we would stay away from sin and we would remain in holiness. Is everybody liking it so far? 
<laughs> so are you, speaking to the singles today, are you, as a single, are you content with being single? And if you are, that's fine. We celebrate that. And we're gonna see that here in the scripture. If you're like, yeah, I just don't wanna get married or, or maybe you're like my grandma's like, yeah, I'm done with the whole marriage thing. I, I'm fine, I'm content. Or are you single and desired to be married? Scripture has things to say for us in both contexts. So here, let's read it. In 1 Corinthians chapter seven, starting in verse six, says this. Now as a concession, not, as, not a command, I say this. So again, this is what the apostle Paul is doing. He is working through the love ethic to this church in, in a very specific set of circumstances. And in fact, when we think about these letters, they wrote to Paul with a bunch of questions and then Paul is responding to their questions. And so obviously there was a question. We don't have the exact list of questions, but here are the responses to the questions. And so obviously there were some questions about this and singleness and married and how do we operate and how does this you know, flesh out in the body of Christ? So he's writing this as a concession. I say this, verse seven. I wish that you were all as I myself am. Now the apostle Paul was single at this time in his life. There was some thought that possibly he was married and perhaps his wife passed away. But the apostle Paul had a very specific call in his life and he was going around planting churches, moving from city to city. And how many of you know this wouldn't be a conducive living environment to a wife and children? Especially in this time, if you have to move to city and move to city, and you're going to plant a church and they're going to leave and you're going to go to this new city. And he's like, I wish that you were all like as I myself am single. But each of you has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. So these things are a gift. And what is it? What is this that he's talking about? The gift of being single and the gift of being married. Now, sometimes if you're single, you're thinking, this isn't a gift. Because I want to be married and it doesn't feel like a gift right now. And then the gift of being married, that, this, that these ideas would be something that God has placed on us for a purpose. Verse eight, to the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no commandment from the Lord, but I give you my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in the view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you, bound to, are you bound to a wife? Now, that doesn't mean like that marriage is bondage. This is not what he's <laughs> saying. <laughs> are you committed to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if you betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles. And I would spare you that. And sometimes when you're single, you're like, if I can just get married, it will solve all of my problems. If I could speak on behalf of all the married people in the room. You have no idea. <laughs> he's, he's like, when you marry, you have just troubles. It's just troubles in the world. There's just troubles dealing with the opposite sex. And this is something when I do in premarital counseling, 
It is really hard. It's really hard for men to understand women in general, but it's really hard for a man to understand a woman in all of her complexity and beauty and all of the things that God has placed on the, on the inside of her. And this is a lifelong task, husbands, that God has given you, but it's trouble. And ladies, wives, you have, you don't, you don't, I don't get, I don't get men. Why are they acting like, why are they doing this? Why are they acting like this? You have a hard time understanding men in general, but then the one man that you're married to and all of his beauty and complexity and all of the things that God has placed on the inside, this is a lifelong task for you to understand him and to love him, but it's trouble. There's difficulties as it relates to being married. And I would spare you that. Verse 32, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. So now here we're getting into singleness. So what are we, what are we supposed to be doing when we're single? Single men here, specifically the verses mentioned, we're gonna see women, it's the same thing. Uh, what, am, what am I supposed to be doing? The unmarried man is anxious about, not, not fearful, but what am I supposed to be doing? I should be interested in how to please the Lord right now if I'm single. My life should be given in this moment to pleasing God because I don't have a wife to take care of yet. And I could just say, this is a challenge. This is a lot. There's a lot that goes into it. But if a married man is anxious about worldly things, how will he please his wife? So he said that there's, there's two different desires. There's two different sets of attention. If you're married, your, your attention should be given to your wife as your first place in your life. And then if you're single, men, what, what, what has the first place of attention? My first place of attention should be for the Lord. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord. So ladies that are single, where should our attention be? I, I wanna please the Lord right now. Whether you're single um, and, and you don't want to get married, I want to be pleasing the Lord. If you're single and you're wanting to get married, where should my attention be? I want to live a life pleasing to the Lord. How to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things and how to please her husband. So again, we see a married man should be pleasing his wife. A married woman should be pleasing her husband. And that takes a bunch of attention that you can't give to the things of God, so to speak. Because you have to, you're being married and this is where your attention should go. It is the right thing to do. But if you're single, man, I have, a, I have way more time. I don't have to think about pleasing my spouse. I can be, oh, I want to please the Lord. I say this for your own benefit, verse 35, not to lay any restraint upon you or to promote good order, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord good order in the church, in the family of God. For single people, well, what is, what is my first attention? Guys, my first attention is not, not just for the ladies. My first attention is to God. And then ladies, not just for the guys. If you're wanting to be married, my attention should be for the Lord. Now, first thing, if you are content and you're here and you're content being single, we celebrate with you. What, what are the scriptures saying to you? that you should want to live in such a way that you're living a life pleasing to the Lord. And then it says to you, be holy in body and spirit. If you're content being single, then act like a single person would. 
in the area of sexual ethics, that we're acting single. This is what, what's, what's being talked about here. And then how, how are we going to be single, being content being single? That we should live a life of love. That we should love God and love people. And ensure that the vision that we have for our lives is a godly one and not a selfish one. You know, last week, you know, we're talking about parenting. And if you are single, content being single, older or younger... One of the things that I could say about you, it's really hard to parent children. And, and the single people um, at our church over the years, I know they have helped my daughters tremendously. That you can actually help people with their parenting. Help people disciple their children. You can be a huge blessing to them. Now, I'm not saying you have to babysit. That's not what I'm saying. But you can be a blessing to help other people in their parenting because sometimes when, when kids reach a certain age at church, you know, their, their parents are just so irrelevant and not cool and they hate them and they won't listen to them. But you, being that single person in the church, couldn't be a voice to that person. Be a voice of God to that person to help that person be discipled and parented, so to speak, in the context of the family of God. We need you. If you're single here at the church and you, you're content being single, we need you. You're so important to the body of Christ. Your family is the church. The church is your family. And I would say that that is a unique thing. Just being single and celebrated and content being single, but you are still part of the family of God and you've got, you've got fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. We are your family and we celebrate you with you. For those of you who are desiring to be married, you're a crew. You're a bunch, I tell you. I have some thoughts for you. And, and you know, generally, this will be a lot of people and young adults. And I know as, as I'm thinking through a bunch of these things, this would be a great time for me to maybe hang out at young adults once in a while and we could do a Q&A discussion thing. But for now... I'm just going to give you some thoughts for those of you that are desiring to be married and you are single. We want to have a godly vision, a biblically informed vision as to me desiring to be married and what it would mean. Psalm 68, verse 6, God sets the lonely in families. So you're like, I just have this desire to be married and I want to be married. Listen, God sees you and understands you. And what does the scripture tell us? He wants to set you in a family. Genesis 2, 18, the Lord said, it's not good for man to be alone. And if you're like, man, I just have this desire. I don't have the gift of singleness. I actually want to be married. This is a godly desire. It's not a bad thing. What you need to do is you need to be intentional about your season of singleness. So if you're single here in the room today and you want to be married, please take some notes. I have some thoughts for you right now. So you want to be intentional about this season of singleness. If you're desiring to be married, it's not gonna, it's not gonna last forever. And again, at this point in my life, 29 years into your marriage, I've been married longer than I was single. And so you, you, you want to, it, it feels, when you're desiring to be married, the season always feels longer than it should be. But be intentional about this season. And this is what I would say, make yourself better. If... Ladies, if Mr. Wright walked into the church lobby 
next Sunday and you saw him and, and music came on as he came through the door. There was a glow about him. Are you ready? Are you ready if he shows up? Guys, if Mrs. Wright walks in the church lobby or maybe she's already at the young adults group <laughs> and you see her, thank you, Lord. Are you ready? Or do you have to get yourself together. There's like 75 things that you need to change. Start today. Get ready. Be prepared. Here's some things for single people desiring to be married that you need to do. Are you ready? Are you taking notes? Some of you guys need to take some notes. Just telling you. Learn. I'm tired of school. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about school. I'm talking about learn, grow, get better, figure some things out, understand some things. If, if you want to be married, again, there's a lot of complexity in the responsibility of being married. Find out what those things are. Find out what you don't know and start learning those things. Learn. Number two, get in shape. You have all the time in the world right now. It's like, no, no, Pastor Brent, you don't know. I, I'm, I'm single. I'm just so busy. No, stop. <laughs> you have all the time in the world right now. Get in shape. Everyone loves that one. Grow up. Amen. Work through your stuff. Do you know the mess that you have from your family of origin. Are you aware of it? If you're not aware of it, you will become aware of it when you get married. Figure out what the dysfunction is from your family and start to work through that. Don't bring all of that baggage into a relationship. That's a conversation. Get a job. Save money. Somebody should be taking notes. I'm just telling you. Start a business. Serve at church. We actually read it there. What are the single people supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be giving our attention to the Lord. You, if you're single, you have time to serve at church. Amen. Help people. You have time right now. Become a helpful person. Get in a habit of being a helpful person. Guys, your wife will need your help. Wives, your husband will need your help. Learn how to be a helpful person. Grow in your faith. Be discipled. Allow God to change you. Here's some things that we need to do. Here's some things that we need to change. Get rid of time wasters. Figure out in your life right now when you're single, what are the things that I'm doing that are wasting my time? Stay away from porn. If you're single in the room, get a distorted view of sexuality. Stay away from laziness. If you're single and you're lazy, stop it. 
get busy, get an extra job, get, take an extra serving opportunity at church. Don't be lazy. Nobody wants a lazy spouse. On the opposite side, don't be a workaholic. If right now, if you're working 16 hours a day, you might need to figure out how to trim that back because if you're gonna get a spouse, your spouse is gonna need some of those hours. Change being selfish. If you're a selfish person, you're gonna try to fix this and, and, and married life will strip this out of you. But start now. Change uncontrolled spending. And stop pretending you don't need to be discipled. You need to change. You need to change single people desiring to be married. Now I'm gonna talk about this in a second. But see, we think I'm looking for this person and they're gonna have to meet all this criteria that we don't actually meet ourselves. And they need to be this and they need to be that and they need to be this and they need to be that. And you're so outward focused about what the other person is gonna be like that you're not thinking of what I need to change. I need to grow up. I need to God, for God to allow him to to rub off the the rough edges of my life. Some more thoughts for singles wanting to be married. Do all you can do to be godly in this season. All right, some thoughts and ideas for you to help you choose a spouse. Are you ready? Should be no taking time for all the singles desiring to be married. Don't screen out good prospects because they don't look exactly right. Listen, ladies, they're not all going to be Michael B. Jordan, okay? It's just not happening. And if Michael B. Jordan lookalike is number one on your list, you are waiting unnecessarily long. And then guys, insert girl. In the church world, and I've seen this over the years, people could flirt a lot under the guise of extra fellowship. And never get to the spot where you define the relationship because you're afraid to commit. Back to dealing with your issues. You have to figure out, am I afraid, am I, am I afraid to commit? Is it, is it them or is maybe the problem me? Some possible idols or difficulties in me being single is that I could just have this Uh, Again, this independence, this fear of commitment. I could just enjoy the chase. Enjoy the chase of a boyfriend or girlfriend. And then then when I've achieved that, it's just like, ah, it's not that exciting anymore. And then you break up and then you start the chase again. And then you created a habit of divorce in your dating life, which you don't want to do. You don't want to be interdependent. You don't want to be a doormat. You don't want to have somebody using you and the next person using you because you don't have a proper relationship with God. You don't have a proper picture of how valuable you are in the sight of God. So you don't want to be a doormat for people in relationships. 
If you want to be in a long-term relationship, you want to get married, you can't live in a constant state of quality control testing. Well, we've been dating for five years and I'm still figuring it out. It's got to stop the quality control testing. It's like, I'm afraid that I'm going to marry an imperfect person. You will. Guaranteed. That's all there is to choose from. Is it them or is it me? You got to be honest. First Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Is it them or is it me? And finally, a few more thoughts before we finish. Single people desiring to be married have standards, but don't have a list. Oh, I, ladies, I just need him to have blue eyes. <laughs> well, brown eyed people will work. Well, I just need him to have brown eyes and a blue eyed guy shows up. <laughs> Don't have a list, have standards. And you have to have good high standards. Does he have a pulse is not high enough of a standard. And also, is the independently wealthy, comes from a perfect family, have a guaranteed job for life, and he loves all animals, that standard might be too high as well. And then guys, is she hot is not enough. Because in 30 years, it's all going to look the same anyway. Listen, if you are a follower of Christ, you should be looking for a follower of Christ as a starting place. But just because he loves Jesus, you have to have more standards than just that. That needs to be a starting place. But there's young Christian men who are single that love Jesus. They're just jerks. Maybe none here at the city church. All right, we'll finish with this. We'll finish on a good note. You want your future marriage to be, uh, you don't want your future marriage to be supported by how your perceptions and experiences from the past have shaped you. You want your marriage to be shaped by the love of God. All of my past and my experiences and what I've grown up in and experienced or not experienced or trauma that I've had, you don't want all of that to shape your marriage. You want the love of God to shape your marriage. We need to get, as we think about being married, desiring to be married, we need to get our love ordered correctly. We want to love God. We want to receive his love. And then from that place, We can be a successful wife or husband. We have to chase after God first. Matthew 6, 33. I heard one pastor say this, is that you, we, you need to, to run after Jesus and then look 
guys look to the left or right and find somebody that's running after Jesus as well and consider dating that person. But following after God first, getting the order right, Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. In the context of the chapter, it's talking about the practical things of life. See, again, we can get, we can turn marriage into idolatry. Again, think if I, if I could just get married, I will feel love and I will feel acceptance and it will solve all of my problems. But no, we want, we want to seek after the kingdom of God. Single people desiring to be married want to chase after God. And then God will add to my life. For those desiring to be married and those content with singleness, John 15, 13, it says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. See, here's a godly vision for singleness, whether you're content being single or desiring to be married. Right now you have a ton of friends until you have a spouse. And what is God wanting us to do? Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And this is what the love of God looks like when it shows up in our lives, married or unmarried. That we will see, we will catch a true vision of love and what it would mean and how I could experience the love of God. But then that love will challenge me to lay down my life for others. And this is the way of love. Single or married, receiving the love of God. Living in this wonderful place, loved by God. And then from that place that the Holy Spirit has poured the love of God down on the inside of you, that we can lay down our lives for our friends. And this is what love looks like. Let's pray today. God, we love you so much. We thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word produces a vision in our lives. God, as we've talked about different things throughout this series, series, whether we're married in the room or single in the room, God, we want to see the future that you would have for our lives, that we want to see through the lens of your love, the people that you have placed into our lives so that we can share that love with them. God, we know that you love us and you care about us and that your love for us never changes. God, we want to live from that place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, if you are here this morning and you have never said yes to Jesus, the story of the gospel, the reason God sent Jesus to the earth is because he loves you and he cares about you and he actually wants to have a relationship with you. So how is it that we have a relationship with God? Well, the Bible teaches us that we can't be perfectly moral people and then offer somehow that to God and say, God, look how amazing I am. 
kind of have a relationship with you. And then God doesn't want us creating some sort of religion, some sort of system of practices that we can do. And then through that doing, say, God, will you accept all that I've done? The gospel, the good news is that God sent Jesus motivated by love. Jesus came, lived a sinless life, died on the cross. God raised him from the dead. And because all of that happened, God offers you a relationship with himself by grace. In other words, it's a gift. And all we have to do is say yes to that gift today. So if you are here and you have never said yes to Jesus, I'm gonna pray a prayer here in a second. I invite you to pray along with me. It's just a starting place in our relationship with God. God has called us all to be disciples. In other words, lifelong learners, but everybody needs a starting place with God. Or maybe you're here this morning and you've maybe wandered away from God. Maybe something happened to you. Maybe something happened to you in a relationship with another Christian. And you kind of feel like, you know, I'm not as close to God as I used to be. You know, God is not mad at you this morning. God is inviting you close to himself again. You pray along with me as well. So church, let's all bow our heads and close our eyes and pray this prayer. Somebody may be praying it for the first time and rededicating their life to Christ. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. So today I say yes to that relationship. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and I turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.